Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other movie snacks like pretzel bites, which are, are it is important to make the distinction between pretzel bites and regular pretzels. There is a difference. There is a difference. Uh, as always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy. And with us as usual is our other good movie buddy, Mr. David Melhorn, the Canadian machine. David, how you doing? I'm doing well. Had a good long weekend. It's true. Very good long weekend. Much needed. Saw, Many people saw Star Wars. Saw Star Wars. Solo. Hell a yeah. Star Wars story. Is that what we're going to talk Solo, about? Solo, a Star Wars. Solo, a Star Star Wars, a Solo Star Wars story. Something like that. TM. Um, and with us today, also special guest. I think this is the first time we've done a three-person podcast. Is our other good movie buddy, a, a, a fine friend of the podcast, Dallas Nichols. Dallas. Bring you in here for uh, for some audio expertise, which has been appreciated. How yeah, you doing? Always. Yeah, I'm doing great. Awesome. Very good. Glad to be here. Good, man. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Well, as David mentioned, you, you and David saw Solo together, right? Did yeah. You? Actually, we were supposed to see it on Thursday night. I ended up going solo to Solo. Oh, how dare you. Yeah, right. Um, funny enough, the movie wasn't even starting. There was no advertisements, nothing. Had to actually go out there and tell them to start the movie. Where was this? Uh, this was Awatuki, AMC. AMC, Awatuki. Always, <laughs> they, in their defense, they have three people running things. I was, was going to say, they, they employ about four people. So, <laughs> and one of them was off on Solo. It's so. true. It's true. Um, so, we got, for the first time since Revenge of the Sith, and for the first time since we've gotten... These new Star Wars movies, we have a Star Wars movie in May, uh, and we're going to talk about this box, this box office situation because I have thoughts. But everything showing us looks that the box office numbers are lower than projected. At first, it was being projected at like 130 million for the Memorial Day weekend. Then people seemingly like gleeful about it we're like it might not make it to 100 million for the memorial day weekend um i have thoughts david but if i don't want to are, are they thoughts or anger they're angry thoughts so they're, they're both but right. there's but they're based in logic but i before i get crazy off into it i want to hear i want to hear y'all's thoughts about it well i think you know there's a couple things at at play here we first and foremost have a lot of competition Exactly. Infinity War yep. is still out there. Deadpool. Deadpool 2 is still out there. And it's Memorial Day weekend, which has never been like a crazy weekend for movies. Like I it's, mean, what's I, the it's, most it's, biggest it's, one is Pirates 3 yeah, made which was 140. Like yeah. So, I mean, and Pirates 3 did not have the type of competition that... No, that solo has gone up. No, so it, it didn't have. They weren't in the in the midst of the franchise wars. Yeah, so I I think all things considered, um, I don't think it had a bad opening weekend. I think, obviously, given the budget and everything going it towards it, I think you hope for a bigger opening. Sure, um, but I don't think to call it a big disappointment. I think would be a mischaracterization of it. I would even go so far as to say, like, it's not a mischaracterization to call it a disappointment, but what it is a mischaracterization to call it is a flop. Um, I apologize, but $103 million opening weekend is not a flop. No, it's not a flop. Um, per, I think, I mean, competition certainly a big part of it. I think the fact that we had two NBA Finals Game 7s this weekend is a part of it. One of which ended just before we got to this podcast. Mm -hmm. Super excited for another Oakland-Cleveland finals. Um, <laughs> I think the other thing is that expectations have been set so high for Star Wars in the past three years that, I mean, literally each one of the Star Wars movies that came out made like, like all-time box office waves. And they came out. In a holiday season where there was no competition for three months and they could clean up. And this one, as you said, middle of summer, lots of things going on. And I have to imagine that that's why. Do you think um, this will place an impact? So I don't know if you know this, but originally the first Star Wars of the new ones, which is The Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Sure was supposed to come out start of summer. I do remember that, and, they, and, and it got uh, delayed. And what's her name? 
Um, Kennedy? Yeah. Kathleen Kennedy. Kennedy. Basically, J.J. Abrams told her, it ain't happening. Like, right. we're going to do this movie when it's done, right. which is going to be the winter. This is when it's going to be done. Right. And she basically had to accept that. Sure. And turned out to be a, obviously a ginormous success. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, the all-time largest opening, right? The big, I mean, the, the big, biggest largest. opening of all time, the biggest domestic haul of all time. The second highest grossing worldwide film of all time. It worked out fine. Yeah. And and then they followed suit with yep. Rogue One. We did Rogue One. We're well doing it in December. As well as Last Jedi. Uh, We're Last doing it in Jedi. December. So. This year they're doing Mary Poppins. This year they forced. Because that was one of the things with the production of this as well. Who boy. Like we need to get it out in May. Right. And things weren't moving fast enough with. This, Lord and, this leads Lord, us into the next thing. Our patron saints, Lord and Miller. Lord and Miller wasn't going fast enough. Right. Blowing through cash. We need to get this done. We need mm-hmm. to bring in someone, even if we got to reshoot 70% of the film. Sem- yeah. We need Crazy. to get this done in time for May. So um, it was interesting. Well, I mean, the rumors, I mean, they're not really rumors anymore. This is one of the most well-documented Big budget behind the scenes snafus. I don't know what to call it. I don't know what to, to call it. I don't think snafus is the right word, but turmoil. Da- Dallas, how would you? I don't know. It's pretty crazy because, you know, like I was reading about it, you know, they, they were four months into filming and principal right. photography, and then they decided to pull him and they brought in Ron Howard. And the amount of things that, like, he shot, like, if you look at all the different, you know, different characters he brought yeah. in, I mean, he brought in new characters. He recast shot characters. Recast. I mean, what did they say? Like, the numbers are, like, 70, 80% mm-hmm. of um, the, f- the, the movie. The film, 80% of a tentpole blockbuster film. It's crazy. And then if you look at the whole discussion about the Directors Guild and bringing them in, are they going to get credits? Right. What are they going to do for it? And they actually, I mean, from what I've heard is that they said they don't, they didn't want the credits, and they right. still gave them the executive producer credits. They that's when when they ended up seeing the final film, they said like that was appropriate. Like they felt that executive producer credit was appropriate for how much it changed. And I think that that's that shows a really positive side to everything that it seemed to work out for everybody. The fact that they were able to back off on it, sure, after investing that much time into it, three years. Like like that's the thing is even though they got fired and eighty percent of the film got reshot, like people forget that Lord of Miller did three years of Mm pre-production. Like these movies, you mostly hear about the shooting schedules. They shoot in two, three months now. Sure. You don't, you don't realize the, the script process. Or when I say you, uh, most people Mm -hmm. don't realize the script process, the pre-production process, the casting process, like Michael, Michael K. Williams, um, from the wire was Paul Bettany's character. Well, he wasn't Paul Bettany's character. He was the bad guy. He was the bad guy. Mm-hmm. He was the bad guy. He was going to be motion capture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they couldn't get him back for yeah, 80% the reshoot. reshoots. Mm-hmm. So guess what? We're going to bring Ron Howard's good buddy, Paul Bettany, coming in from, from Beautiful Mind, getting that. He loves taking that Disney check. Mm-hmm. Good friend of the podcast. Good friend of the podcast, Paul Bettany, coming in, getting lines on his face and shit. Yeah, we don't need to do CGI. Just add some lines Just on add him. Some He's lines. perfect. Paul Bettany. CGI those lines we saved about $10 million for, in budget just from changing that character from full mocap to just some lines on that his face. That feels like a Ron Howard move where he's probably just like, nah, nah, we're good. We just need the lines. Well, I think. Um, I mean, and that goes into some of the other things that we're going to talk about when we get into spoilers, because obviously we're we're doing non-spoilers right now. Um, I think one of the other things, and and there were a ton of things that came out about this movie, and one of the other things was that the the guy who they ended up casting as Han Solo's Alden um, Ehrenreich, there were rumors that he was shit, that he was just falling flat. They had to bring in acting coaches and things like that. Personally speaking, I thought he did a great job. Do you want to hear some of the names that were out there? Because there was like, it seems like hundreds of names. Of like potential, potential Han Solos? Yeah, we've, yeah got, please. we've got everybody from Miles Teller, Dave Franco, <laughs> oh my Jack Rayner. Can you imagine? Now, Jack Rayner would have been interesting. Yeah. Scott Eastwood, eh. Logan Lerman, eh. Lerman, Emery Cohen, Blake Jenner. The fuck out of here. <laughs> Ansel. Blake- Elgort, Elgort. Yeah. all 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 over the board. And yeah, 
in potential ones. Thousands of people went through this casting process. You want to know who they also were originally considering for uh, Woody Harrelson's role? I feel like I probably know, but I would like to throw it Christian out there. Christian Bale. Oh, man. Could you wow. have imagined Christian Bale like in the type of like set that it was rumored that like Lord and Miller run? Like, with oh, the improv- somebody would have died. <laughs> Some, there, this would be a film with a body count. One of the few if that happened. Um, I think, you know, now now that we've seen the film, I have thoughts, obviously. First and foremost, I want to get it right out of the way. I had a blast with this movie. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. I thought the char- they got the characters. The, the, I think they got some of the characters right, really, really right. And they shortchanged some of the other characters really, really badly. Um the music is phenomenal in this film. Mm-hmm. The Kessel Run sequence is maybe one of the better action scenes of the entire saga, dare mm-hmm. I say. Uh, I, Aaron Reich's great. Donald Glover's great. Woody's great. Everybody. I just, Amelia Clark's fantastic. I have a huge crush on, on Amelia Clark in this movie. Um, I thought it was great. I, 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 but it has issues. In my opinion, I think the first 30 minutes of the movie are jumbled up. Um, they're super dark, which we'll talk about just in terms of like... Cinematography. Cinematography is very dark and very mm-hmm. feels very claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. And you got to imagine that that's reshoot stuff. Like you got to imagine like, we're going to keep this shit dark so that we don't have to, you know, build all of the sets. Or like, um, and again, we won't get into major spoilers, but like the sure. battle scene... Seem very claustrophobic to me. It's possible. I mean, one thing that I did note is the cinematographer was the same cinematographer from the original, like before the reshoots. Ron Howard okay. actually kept him kept on. him on. And apparently, I was reading about it. It was Bradford Young. Yeah. Um, he. This was actually his vision from the start was to do it this really dark, way. a really grimy. Yeah. So, so I, I thought that in terms of like keeping a consistency, if we're going back to like dealing with this kind of snafu, sure, that was probably a really smart move to keep. Like so, the edits look the same all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's re- it is still really dark, but listen, if I was watching this on my iPad, I would be going to my screen and turning up the brightness <laughs> because the, the brightness I'd feel like there was up. something wrong with my screen right. because it was so dark at times. Yes, mm-hmm. Again, this is a movie it, to see in a dark theater. Yes, no ambient exactly. light allowed. Exit no. signs have to be turned off. But, Sorry, but then again, I mean, in in the first half of the film, I think in the second half, I think once that train heist happens. It really brightens up a little. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that has anything to do. The, the craziest thing is that this, this is probably one of the biggest films ever made that we're gonna constantly be analyzing as from a production standpoint. Mm-hmm. Like it is. It's never happened before, where you just look and you're like, it, it, unless like the, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking of like the, when Brandon Lee died on the Crow, and you're like, oh, what scenes is it fake Brandon Lee like? That, but the whole movie, like what scenes did Lord and Miller film? Because if if Ron Howard shot 80% of this movie over, that still means 20% of Lord and Miller are in here somewhere. Mm-hmm. Listen, it just keeps up with the, the tradition that these new Star Wars films have had. Like we've had characters die that they've brought out fully CGI. Yep. Um, we've had to CGI people for parts of their roles. We've, sure. We don't even know... You know, we've had directors change midstream. We've had all well, we sorts had, of things. I mean, Rogue One went through very similar issues. Yeah, they, they like completely edited Act 3 of that movie. You like, watch the trailer for Rogue One and you watch Rogue One. And granted, Disney is getting into the habit of putting fake shit in their trailers, which yeah. is a fascinating thing that I'm not mad at. I'm just super interested in. Um, but like you watch that Rogue One trailer and like there's like... A bunch of stuff that's not in it anymore. They changed that whole battle scene. They brought in Tony Gilroy, who worked on the Bourne movies, to rework that that film. Apparently, that film was in a, in a huge amount of of trouble as well. Um, but it just wasn't as publicized as this. And then you go and you look at episode nine, and they brought Colin Trevorrow on, who directed Jurassic World. Who, if you talk to the quote unquote online film community, is is an atrocity. I happen to disagree with that standpoint, and I happen to think Colin Trevorrow's perfectly fine and did a fine job with Jurassic World, but everybody's treating him 
like he's a piece of garbage who shouldn't touch any franchise film. There was this huge outcry. And then he ended up getting canned or leaving under creative mm-hmm. differences. Um, it's just interesting because you have Kathleen Kennedy who's running this show. I personally believe in Kathleen Kennedy, but you talk to, again, fucking online film Twitter or these so-called Star Wars fans, and they think Kathleen Kennedy is ruining Star Wars. Well, she's off to a little bit of a rough start. Like, you can't help but, like... Is she, though? I I, I mean, like, look at the way they're doing the Star Wars movies right now. They've made their money back. Like, they've made billions of dollars. They're making their money. That's, That's no doubt. But, like, they haven't had one of their movies go smoothly and and I know not any no movies go completely smoothly and these ones are under a microscope more than any other sure but it's not common for like every one of your films to have like major changes done to it no. in the midst of production so no. I'm not saying the end results haven't been good because I think they have but how they've gotten to the end results has been a little bit rocky. So, so are you are you alluding to maybe she's a little bit too much of a hands-on producer? No, actually, I, I'm not putting it on her. I'm putting it on Disney as a whole. Not sure where to go with Star Wars just yet. Like, how loose do we get away from canon? Because, and this is going to go into. We're going to continue talking about this throughout the podcast. But oh yes, we have this situation where. Disney and Marvel have this giant universe that they've created and franchise. We're 18 movies into it, coming up on 19. We're talking Marvel. Marvel, yes. There's secretly not 10 extra Star Wars films you didn't miss, don't worry. Correct. But they have all this content to pull from. Sure. Like Kevin Feige can sit back and read a bunch of comics and get tons of ideas for new movies. Sure. Like there's nothing to do in Star Wars but come up with completely original stuff stuff or... And they can pull, you know, and they have pulled. Yeah, but the the problem is, is, like, you can pull, like, a minute detail from a film, like a character that you run into, or or a a random comment that's made, but then you have to fill in all the details, because Lucas didn't sit down and write giant Star Wars books like Lord of the Rings right. or comics out there. Like you're literally going off of his movies and what's in his movies and the little bit of history that was written around him as sure. well. So I think they're struggling figuring out like what is quote unquote canon. Well I think for the Star fucking Wars. fanboys are struggling with the fact that like in every original trilogy movie there was a new force thing. There's something new about the Force. In the original Star Wars, there wasn't fucking lightning shooting out of the out of the fingertips. That wasn't until Return of the Jedi. But nobody, no angry nerds came out and said that's not what the Force does. But suddenly we have a new a new a new Force power in the Last Jedi, and everybody loses their fucking minds. Like number one, let's be clear, this is fake fucking storytelling, and everybody needs to chill out a little bit more. But number two, I like the fact that they're getting away from canon. I I mean they're they're. They're, they're, they need to be able to set this franchise up so that it lasts another 20, 30 years. Mm. And you don't do that by making a whole other trilogy based on Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Print Queen General Leia. You get away from it. We branch out. But that's not what Solo does. Solo doesn't branch us out. Solo, like... This is an interesting point. I mean, I think Last Jedi did that. Last Jedi started to spiral it in new directions. Mm-hmm. Solo was the one... For some reason, it's like, oh, hold on, let's let's bring us all back into what Star Wars is and uh, focus on all of the the canon references sure. and just be about that. So, I want to spoil this movie now. Okay. So can we can you we just, get, can we get rid of our, get into it? Can we just get into this already? So, <laughs> let's start out with Dallas. Dallas, hold on, before not we, spoiler free. Spoiler free. What'd you think of the movie? Yes, uh, I, I I love the movie. I mean, I was so I was into it. I mean. When a movie can, it's really hard to get me to laugh. Like I, I'm very focused on like carefully dissecting a film, like piece by piece. Sure. As I'm watching well, you it. come from a production background. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm always staring at it, knowing like, oh, I wonder how they made this film, how they shoot this, what do they shoot it on? Sure. You know, what's the lighting like? Especially lighting and like the cinematography. That was a big one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was able to get past that, and that's what made me really like it. It's like, okay, I, this is a good enough movie that even though I can't really see some of their faces, I'm enjoying 
where it's going. Yeah. I'm enjoying the framing. I'm enjoying like just how the shots are progressing and uh-huh. and um, the intensity. Like like you said that 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 whole Kessel Run moment uh, later. It's fucking it's, great. It's amazing. You know, like some of those and and uh, you actually spoke about it too. The biggest thing too that got me was the composition of the music. Like that score. It was this wonderful like it, I, I felt like. You know, on Star Tours, when you hear that music as you're going through the, the old Star Tours, yeah. the Meteor, they play music like that, that just sort of like goes, oh my gosh, I haven't heard this song. Exactly. It pulls from the old trilogy. And it, it got me so into it. I, you know, th- that that's what was amazing about it. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. David, you want to go? Yeah, I, I think it was a great Han Solo movie showing his origins. Like... It was it was fun, it was all the things that you like about Star Wars. Sure, um, it wasn't necessarily anything risky or new or anything like that. Sure. Like it felt like a very safe Star Wars film. But again, I love Star Wars, and it hit all the notes that I wanted. Like, right. no, I'm not writing home being. I'm not like, oh my gosh, did you see what happened in Star Wars? But at mm-hmm. the same time, like. I really enjoyed my two plus hours I spent in the theater, yeah. and I would gladly go back and see it again. Gladly. And I'll watch it again and again. Like I'm I've got no problem it. with it. Absolutely. So to me, it was it it checked all the boxes again. Sure. Like it's it's nothing to you know celebrate as like groundbreaking stuff. Sure. But it helped you know fill in some some gaps of what we always wanted to know about it helped answer Han questions Solo. that yeah. we maybe didn't need answered <laughs> sure. or we already knew the answers to or some uh, objects that we needed to spend a lot of time focused directly on sure but i think, I think they just made this film so that they could make the golden dice and the last jedi mean something cuz i don't <laughs> I fucking so remember those at all from the original trilogy i know oh they're there i found i found i know they're there but they're like, just <laughs> what that was like george lucas probably was like yeah, really. Come on, guys. That was random. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I I think it was a movie that is worth seeing in theaters. I think you got to see it in theaters. Yeah. Um, big. I mean, it's a, it's a Star Wars film. How do you not go see a Star Wars film on the big screen? And it's funny. I mean, there are so many moments where you laugh. Like, I laugh out loud at it. Right. You know? It's really funny. I love. I also love that I had a blast as well. I'm kind of... I. I'm going to kind of parrot both of what you said. I looked at it from from a production understanding and and while I thought there were some characters that were really interesting that really got the short got shortchanged and while I felt that the beginning of the movie kind of rushed along and I was just like, you know, wow, this is moving really fast. Where are we? What are we doing? Like once it settled in, like it felt like it, it just it was a it was an absolute blast. I love the music. I love the action. The performances, even from the people who aren't in the movie for a long time, are really great all around. Enough can't be said about how Ron Howard came in at the eleventh hour and put a film like this together. Like that is not a hard thing, or that is not an easy thing mm-hmm. to do. Um, and I thought Ron Howard was perfect for it because. He's a Hollywood vet. He's an Oscar winner. He's been in sort of the Lucas inner circle ever since American Graffiti. It's like bringing in, you know, the dependable uncle to take care of shit. Um, So while it's not a perfect film by any means, I did. I absolutely had a blast with it. I don't know how you, I don't know how you watch that Kessel Run scene and you don't get a little bit of joy in your heart. If you do, you, and I am a cynical motherfucker, and I am telling you right now, if you watch that scene and you don't feel a little bit of joy, you're a cynical motherfucker. Yeah, that's definitely a scene. Like if you like, because I, I watched it twice, and watching it the second time, you really think about like if you dissect that. Yeah. You know, like it, it's the pacing is just perfect. Like it gives you some good rush moments. It gives you a moment to breathe. It comes back, you know, and that's hard to do, you know, to keep me like focused and not feel like my heart's going to explode, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So before we get into spoilers, I'm going to throw out all my friendly reminders, which is you can subscribe to this podcast for free, wherever you're listening to us, whether it be Apple podcasts, whether it be SoundCloud, whether it be, Google Play, uh, or even Stitcher Radio, you can go on us, you can subscribe, do us a favor, like, rate, subscribe, throw us a rating, it helps us out a ton. Also, 
Follow us on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. We got a review of Solo up right now at our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. So definitely want to check out all that stuff as well. I'm glad you gave a shout out to the cinematographer because I did the same thing in the film. I mean, it's a gorgeous looking film, despite the fact that it has its moments of like very, very dark composition. With all that being said, at the 25-minute mark, we're going to spend the rest of the time spoiling, just talking about this film without any restraint on spoilers whatsoever so if you haven't seen solo yet go check it out you're gonna have fun i don't know how you won't have fun um but yeah let's talk about spoilers now david you're itching to talk about spoilers so i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you start us off with with literally whatever you want go ahead well let's let's start positive so let's (laughs) let's go through some favorite scenes okay um kessel run Kessel Run, fantastic. We've <laughs> we've we've talked about that a ton. Um, what did you think about what did you think about the ending? Um, I okay. We're gonna talk about things that we liked. I liked the ending. I liked that it sets us up to see. It sets us up for a Han Solo that we know can turn into the Han Solo that we know. But it's not like Rogue One. It doesn't end right at A New Hope. So there is room to tell more young Han Solo stories. I like the fact that Kira, which we can talk about female characters in this film and how some people feel like they were really shortchanged. I happen to disagree as a straight white American male, but whatever. I love the fact that Kira is like, fuck you, I'm going to be the boss now. Um, I love that... I love that at the very end when um, Han finds Lando and and challenges the cards again, he greets Lando the same way that Lando greets him on Cloud City. He gets all aggressive and and Lando's like, oh, oh, oh. And then he's like, oh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Same fucking thing they do. And I just like that that those little touches. Like I really I I loved that part. I love that Han is this guy who thinks he's a badass criminal, but he can't help but do the right thing. Like, I just dig that. I dig that as a character, and I think that they got that right. Now, the one thing I will say is, I don't know how the fuck Han got from the ship to in front of Beckett and Chewie. I have no clue. I thought they would have at least CGI'd like a speeder bike or something in the background, but when they pull back for a real wide shot... It ain't nothing. It's just beach and sand. So that was one of those things where I'm like, did he, like, outrun them? How did he get there? <laughs> I don't know. Um, But, no, I, 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 I like the end. I like the Kessel Run when when Chewie sits in the co-pilot seat and the mm, Star Wars theme starts game, playing. Yeah. I was like, yes, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm all about what's happening here. And, yeah, that's, I mean, those are a couple of my favorite scenes. Not my favorite scenes, the beginning. Didn't really give a shit about the Worm Queen, although it was a cool design. Don't come get me on, wrong. Come on, you didn't like the whole, is a thermal detonator. I enjoyed that, That yeah. was hilarious. I enjoyed that, sure. <laughs> um, uh, the big war scene, which was, wasn't that big of a war scene. Like, it felt very claustrophobic and small to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. What about you? We'll let Dallas go. We'll okay. let Dallas lean into the mic, get some mic time in here. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm going to say that. That thermal detonator moment, that was the moment for me that like, I was like, okay, this is funny. Because sure. I, 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 I legitimately believed it was a thermal detonator the first time I saw it. I was like, oh, okay, that, that's just a thing. And then when she leans in, no, you didn't. That's a rock. You just made a clicking mouth. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is ridiculous. Right. That um, felt very Lord Miller to me. Yeah. It. Yeah. And it may have been, you know. Um, I also think that... As soon as I saw the visual style of that sort of gray tone Corellia, when mm-hmm. they were, that's when I, and that, the, 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 it's almost from like the land speeder racing. Sure. I was sold again. I was like, ooh, visually it got a lot brighter. I mean, it's still dismal and gray, but it was like, ooh, this is an interesting place. This is a place I haven't been to. And this harkens back to what I feel like is this quality that Rogue One and this movie do very well, which is, not just dirty sci-fi future, right. but now the specific 1970s dirty sci-fi future. Yes. And that, and just, you know, I was observing that with the hairstyles throughout. like The they, design aesthetics. They they were on point with mm-hmm. it. They, were, they did such a good job. Um, like they've managed to go back like costume-wise. Like costumes mm-hmm. are a big thing where they managed to go back. 
1970 and mm-hmm. use 1970 mentality to create costumes in 2018, even exactly. though we're talking about a sci-fi movie. But but it's because, you know, now Star Wars has a very specific aesthetic. You know, it's like, you, you, I, I actually almost thought, based on the time period, like, do we go to a 1960s inspired outfit? Right. Like, just take it a decade forward right. and, or a decade it's later. It's a very it. 70s uh it's funny because I think Lucas forgot that in the prequels. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and I, yeah. and I think that's one big thing that Disney has done really well with Star Wars is they have designed a science fiction that is still based in the seventies and not based in twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not getting Tron science fiction. We're not getting fucking crazy neon bullshit we're getting 1970s star wars styles yeah we need to see those the the the, the haircuts just like the that. poofy the, jackets <laughs> like yeah the exactly capes, the the you know the the the, the collars popped up mm-hmm. and you know hell yeah hell yeah exactly david favorite scenes thoughts i mean all the things that we've mentioned thus far were were great um i liked um I liked the rebellion slash insurrection, whatever you want to call it. In, the Marauders in uh, the mines. Oh, the 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 <laughs> the droid rebellion. Yeah, when L three. Uh, oh man, I I loved L 3s character. L three fantastic. Yeah, that was great. Uh, in a, in a long line of sassy Star Wars droids. See, but I liked more depth. See, but I liked a couple things about what they did that was different with L three, and I know this led to people thinking that like. L3 was one of the shortchange characters in some people's views. Sure. But to me, every movie, the droids have survived. And every movie... Except for Rogue One. Except for Rogue One. Yeah. But we're always getting like... I mean, we've had R2-D2. This is the first movie that didn't have R2-D2 and C-3PO. Right. First movie. Except um, Anthony Daniels does cameo in the film. So Anthony Daniels is still in... (laughs) All the Star Wars movies. So I guess <laughs> it was good to see it done in a different way. Sure. Obviously, um, you know this is an example of, and this we'll talk about this a little bit more. But like one of the issues you have when you do prequels is that you have to resolve characters that aren't in episodes one or you know sure. four through six. Sure. I guess because that's kind of where we're at in the timeline. So, like, we don't see L3 around when we see Lando. Lando's got Lobot by that time, which which leads to some questions. Sure. (laughs) So, so. I just made that connection. (laughs) What? Okay. Same thing. All right. So, you know, from that standpoint, you have to resolve (laughs) certain characters. Like, everybody, you know, something Dallas and I talked about after the movie was, you know, how many great characters we were introduced to in rogue one right the problem is is it butts up literally to a new hope sure and none of those people are a part of a new hope and with especially a lot of those characters how influential they were in that movie sure like they couldn't just disappear in the war sure if they somehow survived yeah, so maybe. you were kind like of backed up into, could have sure but that's the thing that you get into but i loved um i loved her character i loved seeing a different version of of a bot, one uh-huh. that you could actually understand and not just hear a bunch of beeps. Yeah, um, like one that good. actually talked. Like, don't get me wrong, like, they're adorable. What was the one in BB-8? Uh, BB-8's adorable. Yeah. BB-8 sells... I don't see nobody clamoring for the L3 toy. I see BB-8 toys flying out the shelves. But, so I was I was excited to see something different in the... You know, I was... I was excited to see more than one Wookiee for once. You know, we got some yeah. Wookiees. Chewie got some, some family good love. And moments, too. Like, yeah. when, like, the Wookiees are like, we got to fucking go. And she was like, no. Like, and but it's not, like, in subtitles. It's all played out via mime and... That's really effective. Like, yeah. I thought it was really good. Yeah. So, I mean, I loved all the little touches they did to explain of what we're just kind of taking for granted. Sure. Um, I felt like maybe at times they went overboard with it like you don't have to explain every single item you don't have to say Chewbacca that's a mouthful I'm gonna have to give you a nickname like maybe like they were a little heavy handed like I feel like you know maybe it's because we just recently saw Deadpool 2 but like some of (laughs) some of it I just wanted to say in the Ryan Reynolds voice of that's just lazy writing that's just lazy writing (laughs) but um, (laughs) yeah I mean I think the the ending's great I like well, I like that it, it, you know, 
I, I like that we still have characters that are still on the board. Like, Kira is still on the board. Everybody yeah. was like, oh, Kira's definitely going to die. It's quite the opposite. But I also like, like I said with the ending, like, what I liked about it is Han's never been, like, this badass that, like, fights his way no, out of things like he's lucked his way out of he's, it every he's time he's lucky he's you know finds Arrogant. holes yeah. you know like he's what a smuggler would be and so like i was glad we didn't have like some epic fight scene with him like going to hand-to-hand combat with someone like he didn't even kill the bad guy no. like <laughs> he's in, trying in to get end. his gun the whole time yeah. yeah so i liked that they stayed true to that like i think it would have been wrong if you would have had him like suddenly do something, even the way that he kills Woody Harrelson's character. Like he shot doesn't first. give he doesn't give him a shot. Shot like, first. It's like Guess straight up fucking shot first. It's like Greedo style, you know. Exactly. So. Exactly. I think the last thing that I want to mention about what I like about this film is that, for the most part, with the exception of Darth fucking Maul showing back up. Um, hell yeah. Which hell yeah. If you're not up with the Clone Wars and the Rebels, surprise, surprise, he's still alive. There was also another one from the first three films. Uh, Warwick Davis? Yeah. yeah. War- Weasel. Warwick Davis uh, played his same character that he played on Tatooine in, in The Phantom Menace. Oh. Okay. Um, Weasel. He was an arms dealer mm-hmm. in Phantom Menace. And he, he graduated to Marauder. Which, people may know this. People may not. You guys probably know this. But like where we're at in the timeline, right at the beginning when they're on, what's the name of the planet? Corellia. Corellia. Yeah. They're he, Han's nineteen. Okay. Most of this movie though is three years later when he's twenty two, which is but, ten years before. Because he's thirty two in A New Hope. New Hope. Okay, yeah. so we got so, ten whole years of Han Solo potential Han Solo stories to tell. But mm-hmm. but going back to my last point, what I like the fact that this didn't deal with like the force. Or the light in the dark of the universe, like this was just like they're crime syndicates, and it's we're on the and these are like the boots on the ground, like they're all just trying to grab power, and I like that. I like exploring that more, and that's one of the things that I would, I hope that these offshoots start exploring more, is these weird things that don't have to do with the rebellion in the Empire, that don't have to do with the Jedi or the Sith. Like this is even though this ultimately goes back to Maul, but Maul isn't. A Sith anymore. He's a fucking crime lord. Yeah. What, like, is, what is his? What is he? Who is he working for? What is he doing? It's like he's got his own angle. Exactly. Exactly. Well, he's pissed at Palpatine. Mm-hmm. If you. That's the thing is, if you watch. This is the other cool part is that everything is when you talk about Disney establishing a canon, like everything is canon now. All the books canon. All the video games canon. The television shows canon. And they just there. There are so many luscious stories that's a weird word to use but there are so many fulfilling stories being told on those like on those like clone wars and rebels are legit mm-hmm. um and you will you know what happened with maul but not everything is canon well not any of the old stuff well no but i mean like anything that dealt with post return of the jedi which there was a bunch of books that sure. were written before disney bought them before disney bought Correct. them are all irrelevant because J.J. Abrams, or J.J. Abrams in, in right. episode seven dealt with all that. Exactly. All those Luke Skywalker it. adventures, fuck you. He's and missing. What, and what J.J. Abrams didn't resolve, Ryan Johnson came, came in, in and, and just said, took a fucking weed whacker to it. <laughs> just like, oh, that whole Luke's training, a whole other, fuck you, he's hiding. <laughs> like, but, but see, that's the thing is they took all that and they made that. They literally put it into its own section. If you go to Wikipedia, there's canon and there's legends, which is still giving it a little bit of validity. Like these, We're not saying these never happened. It's just that these are like... You know, when we talk about the comic books and we talk about, like, Elseworlds or we talk about, like, the New 52 and how there's always offshoots, mm-hmm. Superman, Red Sun, you know, Batman, Gotham by Gaslamp. Like, Batman didn't exist in Victorian London, but we're going to tell this story about it anyways. Superman didn't land in Russia, but we're going to tell this story anyways. And so those legends I really like, but I also really, really like that this is building that canon further. And it and they pull, too. You know, they pull from, like, Grand Admiral Thr- Thrawn, Thawn, blue-skin, alien, imperial motherfucker. He shows up in the, in the uh, I think, Rebels. Mm-hmm. And he was a guy from Legends that they were like, we like this dude. He's canon now, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, like I really like that. I like that. I like that it's a smaller stakes film. What we've seen, and David, before we get into some of the things that maybe we don't like, I do want to bring up these Star Wars stories that they're making. Because what it seems to me what they're doing is they're using sort of, it's like the Bible, you know, there's the Old Testament, and the New Testament, but in between there's like that dark period. All thus far they've only made two, you know, granted. But thus far, it feels like they're using these stories to tell stories that happened during that dark period. That's interesting to me. I'm in no matter what. If it's ex if they want to make a Boba Fett movie or if they want to make an Obi-Wan movie, I'm in. I'll go see it. But if they want to make a movie like whatever Ryan Johnson's doing with his completely separate trilogy that they've given him, I'm in on that. Like, yeah. if, like what if that deals with like, like – like what if that's like an old republic – yeah, like, uh, let's go 10,000 years ago. Fucking A, I'm in. But, like, that's the thing is right now we're in year four. This is the fourth Star Wars movie. We got a lot more of these to come with. And I like the fact that we're getting heavier movies out of the main trilogies. And then we get this, like, popcorn stuff. I like that balance. I, I don't think that... I mean, we're get, we're in the age where blockbusters nowadays are, are of a higher quality storytelling than ever before. I mm -hmm, think that, mm -hmm. you know, you go and you look back and you remember the days back in the early 2000s when Shrek 2 was the biggest goddamn movie in the world. And nowadays, it's actual good, it's Black Panther. Good storytelling, good characters on top of the big stuff, yeah. you know? And, and that's interesting to me and that's really, really good. But not every movie has to be super important and make $700 million. Do that's why I like Solo. Do you think, though, so like my issue with kind of what's been done thus far with Star Wars, and again, I've enjoyed in a ton all the movies that have come out this sure. far. All four movies. And I'm just happy that we're getting new Star Wars movies. Keep them coming. I don't give but a shit. My issue is more, I feel like it suffers a little bit from the fact that, like, they still haven't, and, and this is supposedly going to change with Ryan Johnson's trilogy, um, which, again... We'll see. We'll see. Um, we have no clue what that's about. But, like, episodes 7, 8, and 9, and you've expressed this a little bit at times, of how this continuous storytelling... Serialized like, storytelling. Serialized storytelling has issues from the standpoint of like, like there are no happy endings fully. So like you, what joy you had at the end of Return of the Jedi, like eventually has to come back around to like something bad happening. Are you agreeing with my point on that? No, I don't. Damn it. But fuck. But I think <laughs> the problem with them continuing, and and there's nothing wrong with it. Like it's fine. I'm I'll pay them money to go see their movies. <laughs> Still, I'm in. But. Like, the problem with Go to going to another Han movie. Like, the way this movie ended was there's a smuggler Beckett was talking about on Tatooine. Right. Like, there's a guy a putting together. Yeah. Like, we know who that is. Sure. So, we know how that story ends. Like, sure. it ends with Han and <laughs> Carbonite. Like... <laughs> It, it, ends, it ends with him getting fucking skewered by his own son and his body being blown up and nobody can even bury his body and it makes everything sad a little bit. Exactly. So, I mean, we know how this all ends. So, like, for me, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I love them filling in the gaps and filling in these quote-unquote dark periods and, like, as, as, us actually knowing what happened in those. But, sure. like, at the same time, like, I don't need to know. Like, sure. Like, I don't need to know how Han met Chewie. Like, I didn't need to see how the plans were stolen. Like, they were all, like, fantastic movies. Right. But, like, what I loved about Rogue One was the things I didn't already know about. Like, the sure. characters I didn't know existed. What I loved about Han, or what I loved about Solo, was not, you know the aspects I already knew, like him meeting Chewie and, and them going and Dallas made this point after we know, saw man, the movie. I like that stuff. Dallas made this point again. Like we're on like our fifth, like reveal of the millennium Falcon at this oh point. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. How, <laughs> how many, how many like, you know, movie scene for lack of better term, like displaying the beauty of the Millennium Falcon and the drama of stepping into the cockpit for the first time. It's one of, if not the most iconic but, film But how many times time. have we done it? But And think about this. Like, I, 
you know, as as a protagonist, as, as Han is a protagonist, and we're supposed to relate to him, sure. and him having this magical discovery of the Millennium Falcon, none of us can relate to that because we've all seen the Millennium Falcon. It's like, yeah, dude, that's it. It's just got blue on it. It's got it's a, got a nose cone. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, again, I love it. Like, I enjoy it. It's not that, again, it's not that I'm not going to pay them my money for this. Sure. But I just am look, so looking forward when we get past Luke, Leia, Han, all these characters we've already met. Sure. Like, what was exciting about Marvel when it first came out is, like, I knew who Captain America was, but I knew Jack Squad about him. Like, sure. Sure. I knew who... Thor was, but I had no idea of the history. I wasn't a comic book nerd that read all the comics and knew all the history of that. Like, we explored new characters and new stories and things like that. Like, as long as we keep coming back to the same characters, like, we always got to treat them the same way. Otherwise, the nerds are going to get mad. Mm. And so we're kind of anchored to some point. Apparently, we can't make anybody happy now. As long as we're trying to stay in canon, we're always going to have to stay anchored a little bit. We're going to have to do the cheesy things like... Chewbacca's too long, and we're going to have to come up with a nickname for that. Like, we're I mean, going to have to keep doing that. It's the stuff. same thing as, like, a lightsaber. Like, how many oh, how right. many times, like, listen, lightsabers are fucking badass. <laughs> but every new movie, there's like, well, what about this lightsaber? This one's got fucking two blades. What about this one? It's yeah. got a cross hilt, and it's got flames. And well, what about this one? It's black, or I don't know. Like, Well, it generally felt like when we see Darth Maul, and I'm like, oh, cool, we're seeing him. And right. then he pulls his lightsaber. I'm like, why? Why? Because he's in a hologram? What is he going to do? Just to remind... No, it's to remind the stupid people that that's who this is. (laughs) No, it's so they can sell an action figure of him with his lightsaber because no one's going to buy it with him just like robo-legged Darth Maul. But what I also like is that's the same lightsaber he has in Star Wars Rebels. Like, like again, if Rebels is over, you can go back and you can watch the further adventures of Darth Maul right now. If you if you feel like you have to wait for another solo movie or a mall movie or you do not, you can go watch that right now. Um, but the, you know moments like that they do feel sort of like there's some sort of outline quota, and they're like, all right, if you're gonna direct a Star Wars movie, you gotta have a lightsaber. You gotta have. I was. A we almost didn't have a lightsaber in this movie. <laughs> they got it real in fucking there. close, they but they got it in. it in there. We didn't have one in uh, Rogue One. Oh fuck, we did have it with, yes, the, with Darth Vader they in the end. Sure. God but, damn it. But what I'm uh, again. <laughs> the same thing all the way until the end until the badass Sith shows up and flashes his lightsaber again. <laughs> but that's what I'm. That's what I'm super excited for. Like, think about the Netflix movies or the Netflix shows. Luke Cage, sure. you know, all those. Like, there's stories that are 100% original. Like, they acknowledge that we're still in the world where sure. all the big Avenger names exist. Sure. But they're not directly affecting this. I can't wait till we get to a point in yeah. Star Wars yeah. where we acknowledge that, like, Luke, Leia, Han, Vader, all that right. happened in the past or is even happening potentially. Right. But we're telling 100% original, like, there's no tie back to here's, the other stuff. Like I'm excited for that. Let me throw an idea out at you. All right, because one of my biggest issues with this movie, and I understand the need for it, but one of my biggest issues with movies we're introduced to characters like L3, like fucking Rio Durant, like Val, who are cool as shit, but they die very quickly. Like, what if you had a whole movie cre- like? I love the fact that this is, like, low stakes, low crime. Like, again, what if this movie wasn't Solo? What if this was some other Star Wars name and it was about Beckett and Rio Durant and Val and then Solo came in as a supporting character and and helps with a heist and then pieces out and then the rest of the movie is about that crew? Yeah, That's cool. But that's the thing. I hated that they got... They got snuffed so quickly. There's obviously this quote-unquote legend to Beckett that sure. we're kind of now we can go make a prequel told about, Beckett. about ah. with Beckett, like just the way that they present him, the way that he acts, yeah, you know, kind of the stories they tell about he's, him. He's the proto solo. Like, he's pre-solo solo. Yeah, but again, like we lose him in one movie, like, and that's that's. Good what for I, Woody, by the way, but getting that Star but Wars But that's what I feel like we're always going to run into as long as you try and continue to make prequels. And again, 
they make another solo movie that tells the story of his original dealings sure. with Java and all that kind of sure. stuff. I'm in. Sure. Like, uh, absolutely, but, I'm in. But let's let's we have a universe to play in, yeah. and and this is one of my things with Kathleen Kennedy is that she hired Phil Lord and Chris Miller to make a Star Wars film. That concept is super interesting. The guys who made the Lego Movie and Twenty One Jump Street making a Star Wars movie that's fascinating to me. Or like if suddenly it was announced that Quentin Tarantino is going to make a Star Wars movie, like they announced that Quentin Tarantino's writing a Star Trek movie. Oh yeah, that's fucking cuckoo bananas, and I'm there for it. Like Kathleen Kennedy, who again. Is a, I, I respect and admire and trust in her judgment. I think that maybe she needs to let go a little bit. And we need to genuinely expand this universe by letting different creative types come in and letting, you know, you know, bringing in the Ryan Kuglers, bringing in the Taika Waititi's. Imagine Taika Waititi making a Star Wars movie. And, and that's the thing, right? That's the thing, though. What you're getting at is for experience. As expansive as the universe is, Star Wars has always felt kind of small. Right, cause because it's always you're... been about the Skywalkers. Exactly. So In a whole universe, this one fucking whiny-ass goddamn farmer family <laughs> is all we're watching about. Exactly. So that's where I'm like, I love it. Like, Sorry, Obviously, nerds. I loved Star Wars from the beginning. I continue to love it. I loved it through Phantom Menace and all of those movies. Right. Like... But I want something new. Like now, let me throw another one out at so you. There's so much room to do new, and we continue to go back to everything that we already know. Let me throw another one out at you. Obi Wan. Long time people talking about Obi. Like, what if they make an Obi Wan movie that is a western? Small stakes. It's him dealing with like a band of 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 Tatooine assholes or something like that. I mean, you could do that. I feel like it's the same thing. I mean, it's hey, we know he dies. It's, it's just sort of like catching like a little glimpse in the middle somewhere where we never saw him, which we've seen a lot of Obi Wan. We've seen so his what, I mean, start you know, and end. What would we not? What haven't we seen of him? How does know? he get from Ewan McGregor to Alec Guinness? <laughs> How does he well, get from like badass Ewan McGregor to I'm waving my arms around in the desert like an old fucking guy who broke out of the retirement home? How does he get well, there? I already have hope that we're gonna get something different in the Logan director. Um, doing Boba Fett. Yeah. Now, yeah, that, that would be good. That's Boba Fett interesting. Is very, he, he's like very little lines. No Boba Fett is a guy who the fans made cool. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but like what I, what I think, and I hate to always come back to Marvel, but like that's the best thing we have to relate to as far as creating this big universe and this extensive franchise. But like look, take how successful Logan and Deadpool have been. Sure. One, they were rated R, which I would be all in for a rated R Star Wars movie. Hell yeah. Two. Like a Porky's teen comedy <laughs> set in the Imperial Academy. Boom. Give me give me the fucking credit all right, right I, now. I don't know that that's on high we can on hire the We can hire fucking the guys, Melissa McCarthy, to come and make a Star Wars movie. <laughs> Anyways. Um, that's the best part, though, is you can make shit but, up like that. But, like, we could even go the complete other direction. Like I said, we could... We could explore how expansive it is, but we could also have a Star Wars movie that never leaves a planet. Like, you could do a Star Wars movie solely on Tatooine that only deals with that. Or another planet that we've never seen before. Exactly. Like, Logan literally was three mutants, four mutants, four mutants about. Yeah. And relatively small story, but I think a lot of people would say that's their favorite X-Men movie. Like... If you're gonna, good, yeah, you know, and and Deadpool again, we didn't have to go like crazy in it, and and yet it's a ton of people's favorite, probably like more than most of the X Men movies. So, so like, I think there's a lot of ways that you can go with it. Yeah, and I don't want them to be so conservative with Star Wars, but I think because it's so new to them, and even for Kathleen Kennedy, like, this is a. <laughs> Heavy is the crown heavy of Star the, Wars. Heavy like, is the crown. This is like a billions upon billions dollar franchise Like that it's like, don't screw up. Well, and I think, I mean, you brought up Marvel. And, and Dallas, I want to know your thoughts on this too. But and, and David, I think that you 
probably would agree with me in that I think Kevin Feige has the easier job. Kevin Feige can say, like, all right, we've made 19 movies with these characters. Let's pluck this weird-ass group out and yeah. make a team here. Whereas Kathleen Kennedy has to effectively build from scratch. That's got to be a little intimidating and terrifying. Well, I think the the big difference that I was thinking about with those two franchises is Marvel was already making these movies. They were already making movies. Sure. Right up until Disney said, okay, now you're part of us. Sure. So they were like, well, we don't want to mess with you. You've already got a system in place. Mm-hmm. But, but the Star Wars films did not have a system in place. No, like, they had George Lucas. They had George Lucas, and, and, mm. and he might have had some ideas, you know, written some things down. Sure. But they, they had to basically go, okay, now we got to basically reboot Star Wars. Yeah. They've been sitting dormant for a while. What do we do? What do we do? And I, I do feel like that's a harder job. And that's why I feel like Disney, because I don't think it's just Kathleen Kennedy. I mean, I'm speculating a little bit. Sure. But it feels like, especially after Force Awakens, it felt like Disney had a stranglehold on marketing, on making products, product uh-huh. placement, or, well, or, or making yeah. things, sorry, not product placement, but making things like marketable. Sure. Like featuring items, characters, things, callbacks, lines, references. Sure. You know, that's something that I don't notice as much or feel is forced as much in the event in the Marvel film, which is fascinating to me because that's like that's loaded with it's stuff. It's all marketing. It it's is. all like how can we get this hero symbol on a T-shirt? But it feels it feels so much more natural because it's just like it's something they wear. Whereas like let's look at Solo, there are like it's it's like the like the dice reference or the you know the the Millennium right. Falcon or we gotta like, give him he's gotta fly at least four vehicles. Four like we vehicles. have four new vehicles that he's flying. He even you know there's a line in it. It, it, it was. There's a few cringeworthy moments, and there sure. was one. And when he says, I got a good feeling about this, I was like, come on. I'm into do- it. Are we doing it? I mean, that's literally the opposite of what he says. Right. In- and I'm like, okay, I, I get it, guys. I we didn't it. even, we haven't even talked about Lando. Like, we haven't even talked about Donald Glover and how fucking I thought how great he was and funny. One more casting tidbit on that. Yeah. Do you know the person that was also in consideration? Samuel L. Jackson. God damn you. <laughs> Um, uh, Creed know. Killmonger. Really? Yeah. Wow. He was My one boy of, Michael B. Jordan was yep. all, was considered to be that. Well, that would have been a good choice too. Yeah. So you don't but, think? No, oh, his face is too recent. I feel like, like I think if this coming out in May and Black Panther, I feel like we're still sure. seeing his. We're sorry, we're still seeing his face everywhere. I think it would be. Interesting. Yeah. And that's another thing that we haven't talked about is that they marketed this movie in a five-month window, which is very fucking difficult to do for a gigantic blockbuster. We just got The Last Jedi six months ago. We're not done cleaning up the bodies from that civil yeah. war. Like, we're, we're, like there are, there's still wet blood in the streets between nerds fighting nerds over The Last Jedi. And, and we got Solo coming out. And, and people's, people are still angry at Kathleen Kennedy. And, and, and I have to imagine that that... Had something to do with this? I don't know. Had something to do with the 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 the, the well, lower box office? Well, I mean, I personally felt, and I, I don't know if you guys felt about this, but I felt like they didn't market it very well. Like I feel like I didn't hear enough about it as compared to Infinity War, sure. As compared to uh, Deadpool, sure. I felt like this movie just sort of like was sitting low. And like, the thing but, is, is the, there's a very specific template that both. Hot, these 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 Star Wars movies are following, and these Marvel movies are following in terms of marketing, which is like n- nine to ten months out, we release the first trailer. Three months after that, we release a behind the scenes feature. Two months after that, we release another trailer. Then we release a TV spot, and then that's it, right? Um, which is going to be super fascinating when they have to start marketing both the next Spider Man movie and Avengers Four. Because how the fuck are they going to do that? But yeah, it's it, it it was a much shorter timeline. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also I mean, I think it's interesting how you know, they had I think that's why you got all the rumors about what's wrong with Solo. Like you already had something to throw gasoline on that fire with switching to Ron Howard, but like given how long it took before we even got the first trailer, right? That due to the lack of marketing, like if it was any, if it was anything other than Star Wars, and maybe only because it was Star Wars, like everybody thinks, like, oh, they're hedging their bets, like they're cutting their losses, like sure. from the standpoint of like, 
they're not confident in it, you know, that kind of thing. Like, but I think, I think it was absolutely different than that. And I think it is something that'll be interesting to watch how Disney in general balances that, like really like their own franchises compete against each other. Like (laughs) heavy is the crown. Like they're going to have to, it's like when, I hate to use a wrestling reference, but it's like when WWE bought WCW and they had no competition left. You know, well, who is it? Um, who wept because Caesar? Who who wept because he had no more lands to conquer? Yeah. Like I don't remember the historical quote. I apologize, history nerds, for that, uh, or literature nerds, or whoever's <laughs> mad that I can't remember that goddamn name. But like it's it is like by the end of this year, like five of the top ten films in the box office are gonna be Disney film Bu- Buena Vista films. Maybe most likely that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So let's let's get this kind of wrapped up. Any okay. any last we we dwelled on certain things for a long time. Sure. Any any last shout outs that you want to give that we didn't talk about? You mentioned Donald Glover. Uh, any shout parting out. shots for for Donald? Shout out to Donald Glover. Um, the dude. I think it was super interesting to watch Donald Glover and and Alden uh, Aaron Reich work together because Aaron Reich wasn't really doing a Ford impression. Like he was really just trying to capture the essence of Han Solo. Meanwhile, Donald Glover was very much channeling Billy D. Williams. He dropped his voice low. He's talking a little bit different. Well, and it worked like to, it worked yeah. to me. Like it, it worked like that was Lando. Well, but Lando, and, and that's where I was most excited is I feel like Lando, Lando is, is one of the most interesting Surprise, characters. You're going to get a fucking Lando movie. Probably. It would be great. That'd be I'll awesome. be there. I'll be he's there. such a he's such an interesting character, that, and he's one of those characters from the canon, from the originals, right. that we have very little information about. Right, but we have all this other stuff about, you know, like knowledge. We about. know Lando fools around with the droids. We know, <laughs> a, according to the writer, he's pansexual. Right now, I'm putting it on. He definitely fucked Lobot in Cloud City. <laughs> that bald dude with the thing around yeah, his head, I that that, that droid, guaranteed. With all this new information, <laughs> yeah, like guaranteed, he did. I'm not looking for a response there. I'm just throwing it out because there really isn't a way to respond to that. But I put the math together. I put two and two together. I know what's up. Well, I I think my last parting shots on this would be, one, Paul Bettany, like, being brought in post-Ron Howard. Yeah. So, like, again, this whole cast has shot 70% of the movie. Yep. And not only do they get a new director, but they get a new, in essence, villain. A new villain. And I thought he brought like some quirkiness to it. Like I like that he was he, like polite. Like, he balanced between like he almost like reminded me of like a Bond esque villain. Yeah, like, like I'm a super quirky cool. Bond esque villain. We could be friends. Eh, you know, I don't like this at all. But if you fail me again, I'm gonna yeah. fucking kill you. Yeah, all of you. <laughs> yeah. So I like that. He he was a good like mid tier boss. Like if you're gonna make set Darth Maul as being like the guy the head. Yeah. Uh, then you need some good. You know, quirky mid-tier people in there. Shout out to Amelia Clark too with her with her ponytail. I don't know what it is about that combination, but I'm all about it. Down boy, John Favreau. I thought it was you know. awesome doing the voice of Tan- uh, Rio Duran. Tandy Newton, like this cast is excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all across the board. I just wish that like Val and Re- like I loved Rio, and I was like, really, Rio's dead. Okay, like okay, but yeah, I'm, I was all into it. Um, the guy who plays Chewie now, uh, Junis. I'm not even gonna try it. His last name. We we are notorious at names here, but he's great. I mean, I don't know how you don't be great at Chewie, but he's great. He's got the he's got the mannerisms down and everything. Uh, answer this, either one of you. Would you have known whether it was the same actor doing Chewie or not? All right, Dallas, I'll let you go first. <laughs> No, I, I no, I wouldn't have. I mean, maybe if it was that like super different, but no, it's, I would have because yeah. Peter Mayhew's eighty nine, goddamn years old. The guy can't walk. Oh no, he, sure. he can't. That's, I'm saying like, does he look exactly like the Chewie from the original ones? Like, yeah, is there a difference? Yeah. between the two. No, no, no. But I like that we got this young kid who's like like seven feet tall who can be like the ambassador of Chewbacca moving forward. Like that, there's something about that that even though like he's gonna have a worst case scenario, he's gonna have a very long convention life, and good for him. He's gonna get those convention checks. Mm-hmm. But I like that he's out there and he's somebody new. 
And it's just, again, it's we're swiping out the old guard for the new folk. Um, and I think once we get to that point, I think once we get to the end of episode nine and we're genuinely done with the old, there's going to be a lot of opportunity. I think you might even see the switch between all of the main saga being about the new and these shoot offshoots being more focused on on older stuff too. Mm-hmm. Either way. I mean it'd be nice if like with all of these little side movies we've been seeing if maybe after 9 they could bring those people back. Like they don't necessarily all have to die, but maybe some little offshoots from what they're doing right now spin off into some parallel stories. Something. That would be fascinating. Yeah. Like if Kira never comes back, but we go and we get a whole movie about how she's climbing up the underworld. Yeah. Like a got like a Goodfellas Godfather style movie with Amelia Clark. I'm there for it. I think I think just to wrap it up, and I think this probably we can all agree on this, is that we're excited to see more out of the Star Wars universe where I'm excited to see it evolve. I'm excited to see them bring in creative voices and let let them actually let those creative voices actually shine through Mm -hmm. but at the same time if they keep making movies that are just as straight up fun as this movie is this movie's a blast yeah i'm there i'll be there i'll be there for it's like i'll go see the shape of water and i'll go see dwayne the rock johnson starring in rampage i'm there for it all you know it's i'll i enjoy a nice delicious filet mignon and then i enjoy a really shitty cheeseburger every now and then (laughs) there's room for both right any last thoughts, or is that going to do it? We've already gone pretty long today. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. All right. I think that is going to do it. Go see Solo. It's a lot of fun. Um, as always, as I mentioned before, follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. Like, rate, subscribe. Help out your good movie buddies. Be another good movie buddy. And let us know what you think. Go to PopcornDietPodcast.com and read all of our reviews and all of our podcasts. But for our, our good movie buddy, Dallas Nichols, thank you for being a part of it today, man. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time in a galaxy far, far away on the Popcorn Diet. Adios.